Prosperity Pathways podcast. I'm here with Ariane Sage. She is a real estate agent, but honestly, she can tell you more about herself herself. So. I'm Erin. I go by Arian M. Arian Sage is one of the old names I can't get away from, but <laughs> I mean, it's still there. It just speaks to my wisdom okay. and my spirituality. But I'm a real estate agent. I am an entrepreneur and I am a mindset coach. Okay. All right, so Ariane. What inspired you to dive into real estate and how did you get started in this industry? Okay, so real estate, I try to make this long story short, but real estate was calling me because I had an older sibling who, when I was about 10, he purchased a multi-unit and it seemed like our lives changed. Like all of a sudden he ended up with a Mercedes Benz, he was buying myself and my mom all type of gadgets and we was like, oh, this is the good life. So when I became of age, I kept asking him, how do I purchase real estate? He would tell me, but I couldn't hear him. Every time when something is for you, it's going to come when it comes. So yes. at the time when I was asking him, I heard womp, 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 blah, blah, blah. I didn't hear him. <laughs> but then I, became, I I found out that I was expecting a child. Okay. And I asked that same question I had been asking for years, but this particular time I was able to hear him clearly. So knowing that I was about to be a mother pushed me into real estate to purchase my first multi-unit property. Okay. That's what's up. That that sounds about the time most people hit that epiphany moment when they realize, oh snap, I'm responsible for a whole nother person. <laughs> All right. So can you share with us some of the challenges you faced early in your career, especially as a single mother? Um, well, actually some of us work well in chaos. Some of us work well under pressure and I think I'm one of those people because that's what really pushed me. It pushed me into no longer being fearful. It pushed me into having to learn whatever it is I need to learn. And of course, that first income property, it earned me about 55,000 a year. And at the time I was only getting paid like 30,000 with a a master's degree as healthcare administration. So to get some passive income that I don't have to work really hard for kind of bought me more time to spend with my son. It kind of bought me more time to figure out motherhood. So I can't say there were many challenges. I got with the top producers so they can mentor me, David Alaway and Amanda Stapleton in Chicago. And they helped me cut out a lot of the riffraff and a lot of the headaches and boo-boos that a lot of new realtors experience. So I kind of like got straight to the money. Like my first, both of my first two years, I think I made 70000 just helping people buy and sell real estate. And then on top of the 50000 from my income property. So that was completely different from my work all day, stress yourself out, make a, a lot for a corporation and or just be underpaid for something well that you do. So that was the end, real estate ended that for me. It ended the hustle and bustle and exchanging your time for money. It ended that for me. Yeah, definitely a lot of us battle with that first step because we're all taught the same thing is that you have to change, trade your time for money, but really you don't, especially once you start building up your skill set. So I'll ask you, you said you had mentors and stuff like that, so you really feel like that was like a game changer for you personally, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's usually what I advise people is like, a lot of mentors and stuff charge money, but if you can find somebody where you can volunteer your time for free, they'll mentor you, and I know it. It comes so, naturally. Yeah, it it's does. It's just like, hey, I need someone to handle these transactions for me anyway, 
So I'll walk you through the transactions as you are actually handling a part of my business that I can no longer handle. I don't have the capacity to handle. So, yeah. Exactly. That's why a lot of internships don't pay because you're actually learning a lot. And it's what you do with it after you learn it. Because like mm-hmm. you said, a lot of times it comes to you at the wrong time. And so it's womp, 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 in one ear and out the other. And then later on in life, when you run across it, you were like, I do remember this already. Mm-hmm. That's happened to me so many times mm-hmm. now in life that I'm actually following my dreams. Mm-hmm. So, I'm excited for you. Too. Yes, so ma'am. that sounds so good. I'm following my dreams. I'm yes. following my dreams. So mm-hmm. that sounds wonderful. It really does. <laughs> All right. So you've grown a highly successful business in a competitive market like Chicago, right? That's where you're from? Correct. And what strategies do you employ to stand out and thrive? Teaching information. I'm not so great at um, implementing or showcasing the information on social media because I'm still, I call myself old school millennial, but in real life, in person, I do know that my clientele really appreciates that every step of the way, they're being taught something. They're they're not being just thrown in the, the jungle with the wolves, mm-hmm. you know, they're actually, they're, I'm holding their hand and also teaching them every step of the way along with I do a very thorough, I guess, training after the consultation before we even start. Because sometimes it is a lot of hustle and bustle within a transaction. Sometimes it's really fast and I don't want them to feel lost during the transaction. I know that a lot of times I got clients because they felt lost. It wasn't like their realtor was doing anything wrong, but it was more so that they had no information during the transaction so they felt like they were lost they felt like their realtor was doing something wrong and actually their realtor was doing everything they needed to do except for informing the client yeah because a lot of times people can't move forward until they fully understand why or what's gonna happen next it's the fear of the unknown Mm -hmm. and I learned that lesson in my 22 22 years in food service because in food service it's a big trend of spending a little bit of time on training and then just throwing people into work. Yep. They don't even fully understand what they're doing. And that's why fast food, food service usually has a high turnover rate because people aren't getting trained properly. Mm -hmm. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They don't know what's gonna be the result or why. Like they don't know why. When people have that fear of the unknown, Mm -hmm. it just ruins their whole work ethic and everything. So. It's always good to try to educate people, and I'm big on that, too. Especially now I work at a dispensary and clothing boutique. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm helping put together all of the inventory systems, the onboarding systems, and all of that stuff. Plus, we have a lounge in the back that we're going to rent out for event space and stuff like that. So I really love this job. That's exciting. (laughs) I really love this job. Now, like I said before, it doesn't really pay that much in the beginning, but it's a big learning experience and big, yes, it's something that I always wanted to get into anyways, like opening my own dispensary, opening my own clothing store, every single aspect of where I work is what I wanted to do anyways. So now I'm helping somebody else's dreams come to fruition. I love it. Because that's like my primary goal is to help people bring their dreams into fruition. And that's the whole reason I created the Prosperity Pathways podcast. So that people like me and you and other entrepreneurs and investors can share their story and help inspire other people so that they know and they don't have that fear of the unknown. Or what if this happens? What if that happens? Like I was studying real estate for a little bit and I was going to do wholesaling. I got scared off because somebody I saw somebody's story about how they kept being gypped because they were the middleman. Mm. So, 
don't want to be the middleman for real per se, but I do want to own property. So I'll get to that eventually and I'll just be a real estate investor. I technically don't want to be a, a real estate agent, but I am going to get my insurance license. So I'm going to help people get their life insurance, which is another very valuable asset that, they, that everybody should have. I tell everyone, no matter what you do in real estate, do real estate. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to be an agent. You don't yeah. necessarily have to be a wholesaler, like you said, but do something in real estate, own yeah. properties. Mm -hmm. own multi-units, be a general contractor, be a loan officer, whatever, because real estate, it is definitely, it definitely gives you some type of freedom, no yeah. matter what capacity you're in. I would just say real estate is the way to go. And everybody always needs a place to live Hello. and a place to work. We're always so, in real estate, right? Exactly. You always need real estate, just like food service. People always have to eat mm -hmm. and not everybody knows how to cook. Mm -hmm. So it's always business commercial real Period. estate people always just, need clothes people always need shoes on their feet yep. there's certain industries where you should always dive into even if it's just a little bit because it's a necessity exactly mm -hmm. it's a life necessity. so how do you balance the demanding role of being a real estate agent and your responsibilities as a mother as a mother mm -hmm. oh motherly he He's a businessman already. He's seven and he's been a boss baby since he was talking. He's really interested in anything that is entrepreneurial. So his um, aunt, which is one of my mentors as well, she is a successful restaurateur in Chicago, um, the owner of Two Fish Crab Shack. And um, he was basically there when I used to be at work. So he was, you know, watching everybody in the business of just having a business so a lot of times he say mom when are we going to open up my business like you know <laughs> you, you keep ignoring my ideas and I'm not ignoring his ideas I know. You just, just haven't you seen put it on the back yeah, yeah we just gotta we just gotta do them so he makes it easy for me alone for a while he was saying his mom is a real tater so he would go to uh, properties and I would give him a job he would be the one to hold the keys until we get out of the property he would also show what he can show, he say, this is the kitchen, this mm -hmm. is the refrigerator. So he had fun with that. When I would flip, do my own personal flips, yeah. he would just love the aspect of going to Home Depot with me. So it's not that hard. I think I think being an entrepreneur in general goes hand in hand with me being a mother. It gives me that freedom. It gives me more time. So if he's sick, I can I have flexible schedule to be at home with him or nurse him or take him to the doctor. When I had a job, I had to ask someone, can I take my son yeah. to the doctor? And that's one of the most, the, the biggest thing for me when it comes to the freedom of entrepreneurship and being a mother. I don't want to ask someone, freedom do I time. have to take my child? Can I have your permission mm -hmm. to take my child to the hospital? It's like, I'm going to tell you I'm going to take my child to the hospital. You know, but... for you to just potentially say no. Yeah. And, you know, most times jobs try not to be careless like that. But the reality of it is they can still say no. They can. Yeah, because there's always somebody else that can fit your spot. So, and a lot of places, yeah, that's what that's how they move. makes it easier for me. Makes motherhood easier for me. Yeah. Because now you can be the employer. Now you're the boss. You can make those timely decisions and put, move put people in certain positions so that way you can move how you need to and they can move how they need to and that's another reason why i like my job is because like i said it's a small business so if i need something or i need to be off or anything like that it's understandable mm -hmm. now we do have a small crew so me 
I care about the job too. So if I know they don't have the people, then I'll reschedule something because I know our crew isn't that big. Exactly. So it's it's a give and take. It's like, hey, okay, your birthday's coming up. You gonna take off? We're gonna give you the day off regardless. So you better find something to do. Like mm-hmm. type of stuff. That's the type of conversations I have, mm-hmm. and and that's like a family. And you sound like a wonderful leader too. Yeah. <laughs> and you want that type of environmental dynamic when you're coming into a space where you're, you know, spending your time. Yeah. You want an environment where you're supported. You want an environment where people have positive energy. You want that, you know. Yeah. So so it won't have to be what we call work. Yep. Exactly. And a moment of vulnerability. My son was diagnosed on the autistic spectrum. He is very high functioning. However. But another part of my why is to make sure that I establish some businesses so he can be CEO and won't have to be stood on a job and let go because of his special needs at times. And that he can just hire someone to fill in his blanks. If need be. Yep, Mm -hmm. exactly. That's the same way I am with my son. Because like you say, yours he'll go to his aunt's restaurant and stuff like that. My son would go to... His aunt also, she has a lounge. Okay. And so he would go, like, when they first got the building, he saw them setting everything up, painting the walls, putting up it. That's like important. everything. He saw the finished product. We had dinner there before. He went for his cousin's birthday party, one of her daughters, and all that stuff. He sees them doing their business. He sees mine. Yeah. Anytime I'm doing some type of business, he's with me. I had a cleaning business for a little bit two years ago. He would go with you know, me to I love go that clean houses. Yeah. <laughs> he would go with me to go clean houses and stuff like that. Um. When I was working a regular nine to five, he if I had to bring him to Boston Market with me, because I used to work at a restaurant, Boston Market, he would, I'd have him sitting out there because I didn't have a babysitter. Can I help? Okay, here's a broom. Here's a broom. <laughs> here's a rag, go wipe the table down right quick. That's it. And it like, teaches them something early on, too. I, I've seen a lot of younger people just not have the know-how mm-hmm. to do small simple things. And because I am, I was in food service, there's grown-ups. I worked at college campuses that don't know how to sweep a floor. They don't know how to mop a floor. You only know how to make a sandwich. You barely know how to boil water to make yourself noodles. Like, literally, they don't know and how. They make them in the microwave. Home. Exactly. So, but a lot of times, that generation that raised them, they had to do everything. So now they're like, oh, I'm not going to make my kids do this. But there are certain things they do they need to need do. To know how Because they have to learn life skills. That's why there's 40-year-old men who still take their clothes to their mom's house to get them washed. Oh. <laughs> like, literally. like Baby. <laughs> and she'll still do it. Like, you raised him already. Let him go. <laughs> it's hilarious. All right, so I think I'd be too harsh sometimes. I tell my seven year old, like, he's doing chores, mm-hmm. whether he knows how to do them or not, he has chores to do. And there's one book that I read that you shouldn't even pay your kids for chores because those are life skills and things that they're gonna have to do when they grow up, anyways. You're not gonna get paid for it when you're doing it for yourself, mm-hmm. just so you know. So, you're not gonna get paid for it when you're doing it for yourself. So, why pay your child for something exactly. that they got to do, anyways? The book was telling me like you should pay them for stuff like reading books or if they actually come to no reading like personal development books okay. not like adventurous books like okay. like they give them from school no i give my son like rich dad poor dad the way of the sacred the superior man thinking of rich but he's 13 now yep. he just turned 13 in October. yep so i give him those type of books when you come to work with me, like even at my job, he can't go to all of the different places because, like I said, it's a dispensary, but mm-hmm. he can watch the door. 
check people's ID. That helps you with math. What What's the date that you have to look for for mm-hmm. them to be over 21? He gave me that answer. Like, we go through all kinds of different things so that he can learn. And he knows, like, even as far as, like, podcasting and stuff, he wants to be a gamer. So he started recording. He I mean, knows I how to edit how videos. To the way I hear they getting paid. They do get paid. And once he gets Ooh. here back to D.C., since I just moved here, he still stays with his grandma. But once he gets here, they have 24-hour gaming centers where they have tournaments and all kinds of stuff where he can win money. That puts him into the esports league and Ooh. stuff like that. Like I know somebody who got a scholarship; they paid for their whole masters being oh, wow. on the esports team at this school. Wow! Period. Wow. So, for all those parents out there who think you need to hurry up and get them kids off that game system, if anything, you need to be on their ass. Are you building your skills Ooh. up? Are you, you know all the cheat up. codes. Like if you gonna play, if you gonna do something, do it right. Period. Go all the way. Otherwise, stop spending so much time on it. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of kids who be on their video games all day long, and that's not even their goal. They actually have no goal because they're not thinking about it. Do stuff with intention and strategy. Um, yeah. Yes, enjoy it, but if you're really good at it, have some type of intention and strategy behind it so that yeah. way you can leverage it. And that's another reason why I like exposing my son to different things too, because then that way he can actually choose something that he likes instead of just choosing something that just because you're doing it, you get to meet these type of people and these type of people. He went to Invest Fest with me the first year, so he got to meet oh, I people. Think I remember. Yeah, he did. He went with me the first year. He saw some YouTubers that he followed and oh, all wow. kinds of stuff. And then last year, he was kind of upset he didn't go. He's the one who said he didn't want to go. And then after I came back, he was like, what? Who was that? Man, I should have went. Yeah, you should have went. I told you. Next year, we're going, though. I hope they bring it here because they suck about putting it in a different place. They need to. Yeah. But if not. It was too spacious this second time. The second time I went, but it was the third. It was extremely spread out, but it was good material. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to complain about it (laughs) because they had enough complaints. People complaining. Oh, I was one of the complaints. (laughs) complaining. It's okay. Because that first one that I went to, and I know that was more like their second one, but it was the first one that I went to. That set the bar for me. Yeah, I had no complaints. They honestly could have kept it in that smaller space like they had it the first time because it would have been better for it to be crowded. Because then it feels better. Even though it was still crowded, we could tell it was, it was crowded. It's just so fucking versus twenty thousand, and I could have did without the twenty thousand. Yeah, because I think a lot of people who were there, compared to the first time that I went, I would meet ten people, and of those ten people, eight of those people would be good contacts, like yourself. Mm-hmm. The second time I went, I would meet ten people, and eight of those people would be people who don't even know why they're there. They don't and even know why they're there. To the ninth or the tenth person, I'm tired, and I don't even care what's to know what you're talking about at this point but you could have very much so been those two people that i needed to talk to yeah because i've been to turks and caicos with someone i met at invest fest the year i met you i'm here with you and we met at invest fest it's a young lady who lives in arizona she and i discussed trading day trading Mm -hmm. i'm new to day trading okay but day trading looks very much so like the real estate market so that's why it was a little easier for me to kind of merge over there but i say that to say I don't have anyone in a maybe in my in my opinion a five mile radius of where I am in Chicago who I can discuss day trading with. So yeah. I have to discuss day trading with a young lady who I met in Investfest who lives all the way in Arizona. So I say that to say I made some really good connections at Investfest and I just think the quality of people were better when it was more intimate. 
for 12,000 people and it was a little more, it was a little better without the fear of missing out. I think a lot of people who came this second time, missed a, missed, they felt I missed like a lot of they stuff. were afraid of missing out. So they and just I came. ended up missing a lot of really? stuff. I did end up missing a lot of stuff, like even because I'm in the Red Panda Club, Sock Club, because I do trading as well. Um, oh, and I would I love to. That. We, we should all be on like a group. That? Yeah, we should all be like on a group. Talk to her, the girl in Arizona. We should do okay. like a group sessions and stuff like that because I day trade too. I'm in the Red Panda Stock Club. I actually got that membership for free because that's I went a, to Market Mondays Live in New York. That's Ian. Ian. Yep, that's Ian. Okay, does yep. he do stocks or does he do everything? Okay. Yeah. So the first thing he always tells everybody to do is build your long-term portfolio first before you even worry about trying to trade or anything like that, which I've been doing. And I'm awesome at long-term portfolios. It's the actual trading that I need somebody to help me get rid of my fear. It's not even fear of missing out. It's just I don't want to end up pressing the wrong thing and just do you have any XRP? Hmm? Do you have any XRP? SRP? XRP. XRP? Yeah, I do. Okay. I like XRP. Cardano? Yeah. No, I don't like Cardano. Okay. I have XRP, and then that's going into cryptocurrency. I do have my crypto wallets and all that stuff, too. What's your, what's your hesitance with Cardano? The objectives of it. So every coin that I invest in, I actually read about it. So mm -hmm. what is the what is their objectives and things like that. So XRP is more for banking and finance stuff. Meanwhile, Cordano, I can't remember what it was for, but I chose not to because I'm limiting how what coins I invest in so that I just keep investing more into those. So there's only like five or six. Okay. Uh, there's a couple of them that I have that I just got for free because it's the name of that app. I forget the name of the app, but it has like little educational things you can go through when you earn coins. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got some of my coins, but most of them, if I put money into it, it's Bitcoin, it's XRP, it's Ethereum. Okay. That's it. I was just curious. I was yeah, just curious. Because, you know, it. once I hear, you know, I'm like, what, what do you got? What you got? So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, <laughs> cryptocurrency, because I'm in tech too. So, like, this past year, I got a bunch of my a CompTIA certified, a bunch of my CompTIA certifications, and then I also uh, I'm doing my data analytics professional cert right now. Okay. Because digging into data, doing the analytics, doing the research to me is very pertinent mm -hmm. when it comes to trading and investing. Absolutely. So those are the skills I want to build on because my ten-year goal mm -hmm. is opening a hedge fund and a venture capital yeah. fund. Yeah. So. I'm building those skills and building my reputation as a business person, mm -hmm. as a entrepreneur, yes. as a coach, somebody who can help them yes. build their business, organize their business better, and all of the above. That's what I'm working yes. on. <laughs> yes. And then I'm still working on that book. All right. So what role has networking played in your success and how do you approach building professional relationships? We kind of touched we, on that we just We did now. touch on mm -hmm. that. Networking is extremely important. Um, I'm just going to say to people uh, my advice from my own journey. Because mm -hmm. right now I'm actually assisting a, I'm assisting a politician right now. And before assistance politician, I had no interest in politics, which I still yes. don't. But it's just showing me a little bit of background of how things work in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Especially if I'm trying to open up businesses, these are some of the things I need to know. And just being able to make a phone call to get things pushed through mm -hmm. is a whole nother level of getting it done and standing yes. on business. I know a lot of people kind of crave power. I don't. Yeah. And and I, I know a lot of good people don't crave power, but it is still sometimes a necessity to get things done. And sometimes that power can come through networking. Yeah. 
honestly, that's the the power is in who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what me and a few friends were talking about the other day is that, yeah, you want to be successful in business, you know, eventually you have to venture into politics. But what that person was trying to tell me was, oh, you should go into politics first. You don't have to go into politics first, but be, be sure you understand that politics is going to be involved if you're going to be in business. Mm-hmm. At some point, politics are going to be involved. So there you be- can't completely avoid it. They're heavily involved in Chicago when it comes to permitting, zoning, signage on your property, or even just not wanting you there. They may not want you in their area. Mm-hmm. That's where, to me, it becomes to look like kind of like gang banging in a sense. Like they it can't is. come to my territory with that business. Yeah. So you also want to just make sure your reputation is clean. Mm-hmm. So that way, when it is time for networking, no one um, has an issue, you know, referring you. Mm-hmm or mentioning your name for the right opportunities and in the right room. So networking is a big piece. And personally for myself, I had to get out of my comfort zone and learn to network with people who don't just give me a tribe vibe, right? I love my tribe vibe. (laughs) Um, But sometimes we have to be uncomfortable. We have to be uncomfortable, whereas they may not feel very tribal, but they can probably still get you connected. Yeah. I definitely run into that a lot too because I'll start talking to somebody and it's like I don't really get this vibe where I want to chill with you I but don't chill I with do you. know that you know what I need to know you so, know it. so we have no choice so how can I get it from <laughs> yeah. you what do, what do you need that I could probably offer yeah. with my business and service exactly so what can we offer each other mm-hmm. Yep. so the real estate market is always evolving how do you stay ahead of market trends and what current trends are you most excited about? So we're in a weird space right now. We've been in a weird space for like the last two years. Um, so I saw it because I'm just real big on analytical data. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can just feel it. So all the markets are connected, right? Mm-hmm. So when the eggs went up to what, $10 or so, $10 for eggs. I'm glad I stopped um, eating them. <laughs> I, I kind of saw things like that happening prior to, mm-hmm. and I could feel them. So that told me what the real estate market was going to do when I saw things like that, even though it was way before the egg hike. But I want to say October 2021, I was like, mm, things are about to change. I can see it. I can feel it. So what I did was I sold one of my assets that has I've been literally living off of into the real estate market kind of stables mm-hmm. but also to open up something so I am working on opening a restaurant in the food industry like right. you mentioned yeah. and I stay ahead of the trends like that so yeah. always being prepared also with real estate I was focused more on the larger ticket Mm-hmm. deals and what I mean by that like more either wholesaling and or flips during this time period because when interest rates went down buyers disappeared and if there's no buyers there are also not many sellers exactly so if those are gone out of the equation the agents aren't making money but mm-hmm. happily for me I do more than just help people buy and sell real estate I buy and sell on my own I flip on my own and there's always opportunities within real estate. You just have to, like you said, stay ahead of the trend and kind of always be prepared for whichever way the real estate market goes. Exactly. But don't be afraid of real estate because real estate is your friend. You just can't get content without having some things in place that will get you over to the next moment in time. 
that is very good advice, actually. Yeah, because a lot of people, they try to stick with whatever is trendy, but sometimes that's not the best thing to do because trends fade. So you want to stay with whatever is going to last, whatever holds the most value to people. So. I'm going to have a Cat Williams moment. <laughs> a lot of realtors in the last two years, since October 2021, in my opinion, They've been doing a lot of dancing on TikTok. Yes. They've been doing more dance on TikTok than they have been selling houses. And yes. I'm honest. Like <laughs> and, and it's okay because you want to stay top of mind. Yeah. And that was the that was probably the whole the whole point of the TikTok. And we had more time on our hands. Prior to October 2020, we didn't have as much time on our hands as real estate agents to do all the dancing on TikTok because why exactly. we were making money. So when the money driving started, for dollars and hello, we, was, and all we were in yes. the, we were in the thick of it. We were yeah. getting to it. Everybody <laughs> was getting the Arab money. Uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> but no, like when the market starts shifting, we begin to have more time. So now you probably notice that a lot of realtors picked up podcasts. Mm-hmm. You notice that a lot of realtors are just TikToking and doing some making raps, realtor raps. And this <laughs> is no shade. I'm just giving the real of how we came to be. And now the interest rates are going down. You'll see that more. You'll see less of that because we now we got to get back more to the buyers <laughs> and you got to get back to work. <laughs> Definitely get back. To I was work. like, I am having a Cat Williams moment. Yeah, she's like, uh, y'all doing too much dancing all in the videos, like Pub Daddy. No, that's a Suge Knight moment. If you want your, if you don't want your producer dancing all in the background of your videos. <laughs> You don't want your reel to dance and all over TikTok. Yes. And just just at a public service announcement, do not pick your realtor solely off of TikTok dances. Ooh. Like, do some real research on Yelp them. reviews. See how uh, much that they, how many um, properties that they've sold all together. What is their success rate? And maybe if they can offer you a referral of someone that they've actually worked with in the past or what have you. Don't just pick them off of social media please oh no those people who google and pick the first thing that shows up on their google search please stop doing that <laughs> i'm so sorry that doesn't even go just for services like just please stop doing Ooh. that and you're researching something and all that like please stop doing that but then you come at me with that fake information so funny that we had a whole conversation the other day and somebody had came at me with the where'd you research that they pull it up on their phone this one right here see this link right here the one that says sponsored Pay to be on top. Yeah. Pay to be at the top. Oh my goodness. Okay, so for someone looking to start investing in real estate, what are the key factors they should consider? Starting to invest? Mm -hmm. Someone who wants to just start. First, getting rid of fear and undoing a lack mindset, if a lack mindset is present. I find common times that when I'm working with even clients, they have a piece of paper that says they're approved. That piece of paper it is a document from the mortgage company saying that you have the job, you have the assets, you have the credit score, you have whatever else that they're looking for to approve you. However, sometimes mentally they're not approved. Right. Mentally, they may still not feel like they are worthy of ownership. Mentally, they may not feel that that they can own, like that, that they can own, and it's really a sad thing because it then is. that's where more of the mindset culture comes. Because I, I I struggle rebranding because I'm like, how do I mix mindset culture with real estate? And I'm like, I use both of them all the time. Exactly. A lot of times I have to do a lot of the mindset coaching in the beginning before we even go see houses because 
if you're pre-approved for four hundred thousand dollars of a home and you prefer or see yourself at like a fifty thousand dollar house because something that needs a lot of work that's because it's a mental yeah it's a you, mental you, you don't see yourself as deserving of something i've had several clients ready. like yeah. that they would piss, pick the pick on excuse my language they would pick a piece of shit yeah before they pick something that's nice and um updated because yeah. they're comfortable yeah they don't feel like they can maintain something because they've already been used to something that's not what they deserve yeah that's the best way i can put it like you deserve better i don't care who i'm talking to. it could be a homeless person standing under an awning in the corner you deserve better <laughs> like period so a lot of people don't realize that and i can honestly say i had that mindset for a little bit like what is in front of me is what i think i deserve this is what i have this is what i can obtain instead of putting your mindset to where i can obtain what's not in front of me i can obtain the stuff i see in pictures i can obtain everything that i want i just have to put in the work to do it yeah. i just have to have confidence to do it That's so outside of that outside of just the mental aspect of things i would say consistency and discipline mm -hmm. you don't always have to go out to a club <laughs> you don't always have to spend on that bag, you know. Mm -hmm. Just stay consistent and disciplined and put your goals forth. And also have a mentor of someone who's done what, you, what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Because if we listen to Auntie Cat or Uncle Tom. Your cousin who's still on Section 8. Who your, ain't never your, bought a your, house. Your auntie who, who still works at Burger King. Someone <laughs> like, who's never purchased anything, they will tell you, oh, the market is terrible. They don't know nothing about the market. Yeah. You know? They go in the grocery store and say, oh, it's inflation. Uh, no, inflation affects more than that. That stuff's going to go up regardless. People don't realize that. Food is going to go up regardless. Just because you see it go up and you think it's because of inflation, it's more involved than just inflation. Mm -hmm. Inflation affects the value, but we're not going to go into all of that. Everything. But yeah, it goes into everything. So And it always happens. So there's no need of you just saying it because you heard it on the news. Mm -hmm. Like, inflation is always happening. It's just it either slows down or it speeds up. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know about it, then you hear it on the news, you instantly go with it. That's why I stopped watching the news because it's nothing but negative stuff that is usually on there. It's pointless. If it's something extremely important, it's gonna come across my feed somehow. That's the same way they push Amber Alerts straight to your phone. So if it's important, it'll get to me at some point. <laughs> That's how I feel about the news. So you manage multiple properties and run a business. How do you maintain healthy work-life balance? I, early on, I used to work nonstop and I used to allow my clients to set my schedule. I don't allow that anymore. I pretty much turn my brain off at 6 o'clock p.m. <laughs> I might find myself working a little later sometimes, but that's yeah. at my own leisure yeah. or what have you. And Sundays, I give myself, I don't do anything on Sundays. I um, may do some spa treatment. I'll go to church. I'll uh, do something family-related. Nothing business-related yes. on Sundays, um, just to kind of reset. You know you still got to exercise or do some type of yoga or meditation. I'm not consistent with those things <laughs> as much as I used to be, but it definitely helps set my entrepreneurial success. It definitely helps set that, and I want to get back to it. But I'm in a shift. I'm transforming in so many ways internally, business-wise. I'm doing a shift. 
So once I'm out of this transformation state, I'll probably get a new rhythm, mm -hmm. but it's still necessary, whatever that looks like to me. Some type of meditative state, some type of, of physical exercise. I went to Stretch Lab for three months. That was beautiful. Like, it just, <laughs> oh, I heard about Stretch Lab. Oh, oh, it was I beautiful. For the people who, like, I'm lazy. So you'll never really catch me doing cardio for real. <laughs> so yoga is my thing, but yeah. I'm even too lazy for yoga. So stretch lab is like for the for the people who are lazy like me who still want to get that flexibility in because yeah. they stretch for me. They stretch me for me, and I don't have to do it like I have to do it for yoga. So. Yeah. So look, kind of like a uh, what do I want us to call it? Uh, a flexologist. What's the um, yeah, yeah. chiropractor? I think that's people. what they're called, reflexologists mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I want to try it. I, I work out though. I like working out, and I haven't been as consistent as I have been in the past. But I do try to make sure I go to the gym at least once a week. I work out at the house because it helps. On the days that I work out, I feel like I have better clarity of how I'm thinking, and the blood flow is better. Mm -hmm. So it helps. I don't always do cardio. Sometimes I do weights and stuff because I'm not trying to lose too much weight. Yeah, right. But <laughs> yeah, I, I like working out. You look good. That's a good thing. You yeah, good. thank you. <laughs> All right. So, what advice do you have for other single parents aspiring to succeed in entrepreneurship or real estate? Other single parents aspiring to do real estate, I always tell them to have some type of passive income, still strive to eventually become full time. I never tell people to leave their jobs because that might not be for them, but I was able to leave my job only through the way of having a income producing property. Plus you didn't like it, so not really. What or you job? did, yeah. I liked it when I first got it. Okay, so now you ain't like it. And the then job. eventually I grew out of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, some 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 things are for a season. Yeah. But I worked at a place that we were diagnosing children with autism. Okay. And I loved it because of my schedule was completely different from the previous job mm -hmm. where I didn't see weekends and I didn't see evenings and yeah. I didn't see my son. So this job, I was able to get home early, see my son, it wasn't too much, you know. But without that job, mm -hmm. it served a purpose. Without that job, I don't think I would have felt the need to get my son evaluated for autism. Yeah. Because he was so intelligent, he was reading at like two years, 18 months, he was reading. He wasn't talking yet, but he was reading books. I know grown-ups who went back and got tested for autism and realized that they're just highly functional. He, Never knew. He was doing so much. He was so developed that I didn't think that anything was lacking, but he was lacking in some areas of development. And at that job, it kind of like, when I was asking people what did they need evaluation for, they were like, oh, my child is this month, these many months, they're not doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, wait a minute, my son is that age and he's not doing that either mm -hmm. so after i got the evaluation it seemed like the purpose of the job was no longer it's like i couldn't go in there anymore like it's just like okay it served its purpose my goal but i was hoping that it pushed me into full-time um, entrepreneurship because i realized that my role for that company made them at least twenty-five thousand dollars a week yeah and i was going home with one percent of that which is about three hundred yeah and one percent is not worth it after tax i'll say after taxes and it was part-time. So if it was full-time, it might have been 2%. But 1% of 25000 and I was my role was bringing in 25000 a week. And I told myself that if I can make a company 25000 a week, I can make myself 25000 a week. Yeah. And then that first year or first 12 to 18 months, I quadrupled my income as a full-time entrepreneur. So I always tell people, 
have something to fall back on because at the time I had to, I had my building to fall back on and then I think I was Ubering and so I figured it out. Mm -hmm. So I have some type of income so that way you won't be operating out of desperation, you won't operate out of uh, lack, you know, because yeah. you don't attract things when you are thinking what you don't have all the time. Oh, I need to yes. pay my bills. I need to pay my bills. Oh, my bills. Thinking about oh, what I you don't to... have, what you need, you and that attract. you can't get it instead of just thinking, okay, I need this, I'll be able to get this and such and such. You have to think in an optimistic mindset. People don't realize that your thoughts will turn against you if you don't keep them in check. Especially if you're in survival mode. Yes. So survival mode will make you feel stupid for quitting your job. It'll make mm -hmm. you feel like your dreams and goals are stupid. And they're not. So I just say to those who are single mothers, have some type of support, where whether it's people who would keep your kid during certain times or understand that you may need someone to come over and cook mm -hmm. the meals for you or your child because you're tired. I personally like my hair. Yeah. Locking my hair when I first became an entrepreneur and a new mom with a toddler, oh, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. That was one less thing I had to worry about. Mm -hmm. Once I got a good grip of entrepreneurship, I was like, oh, you know what? These locks serve no purpose anymore. So finding things that work, finding a rhythm and routine, uh, self-care, mm -hmm support and making sure you have some type of income so that way you can still go for forward with your dreams without having survival issues yeah having to fall back into survival mode and end up messing up all of your progress cut because i feel like i did that before like i think with my clothing line where i didn't quit my job but i was working it and i just kept putting money into it and I don't I didn't give it enough time and enough effort in the marketing aspect to even make it a success before I just was like I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Now, in that same token, I also realized as I was building it that it wasn't really something that I was passionate enough about to mm -hmm. put that effort into it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I that's another reason Check your why. passion. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, you know what? I'm not passionate enough about doing mm -hmm. this to even keep it. So same thing happened with the cleaning business. It's like could have kept it, but hiring and all this stuff is like it's exhausting, especially when you keep running into people that don't want to work. Yeah. The hiring process is something that I feel like I don't mind doing if I'm already in a business where they already have people mm -hmm. to fall back on. So like like where I'm at now. We start hiring, we have people that can work right now. I don't have, it's not imperative that I hire. It is important because some of us are working and we're supposed to be just doing administrative mm -hmm. stuff. But <laughs> at the same token, I still have the time to do that. Like back when I had my cleaning business, I still had so many clients booked up. Like I could barely fit in interviews because I'm doing all of them myself. So by the time I do actually get one person to hire, I'm like, I've trained you for a week. And I gotta start sending you to places because I already am super booked up. Like I'm making four thousand a week just myself cleaning houses, mm -hmm. so I need help. <laughs> that was good problems to have. Yeah, it was good problems to have. It definitely was, and that's what helped keep me in a good mindset. That that cleaning business is what kept me in a good mindset, and me not having a deeper passion for that is why I went ahead and just said, mm -hmm. "Forget it," because I could have kept hiring people. I could have kept it open, but. 
that's not something that I was completely passionate about. And there was other stuff that was going to divert my attention, which is my book and my podcast. Mm -hmm. So I just decided that I need to focus on that. I need to focus on my book and my podcast, find something that earns me money that feeds into everything else, which I did. Mm -hmm. And now it's it's all great right now because, like, I love the job I work at. I'm going to interview the owner, too, and he's going to be my next interview. Yeah. Because he's been through a lot, too. And for him to own this business that he owns now, he's had one before. And then he went through some of life and had to open this new one. We're about to open another one in Baltimore. And, like, we have suppliers that we're building. We're Like, it's growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. And it has been growing even yes, more since exciting. I've been there. Because I'm very customer service driven. Yes. So that has helped boost this up a lot, too. That's good. A lot of my marketing ideas we put out there. Yeah, so I really like it's it. It's so wonderful to think something and then see it realized. Yes, because mm-hmm. there's like a couple of marketing things that I had pitched and then the box came and it's like, oh, Erica, look. Oh, snap. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's excited to see your dreams come to fruition, even if they're for somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> All right. So what has been your proudest moment so far in your real estate career? I would say the times I would get top producer. It's a few. Top producer. My son being able to see me finish my first slip on my own with no help. Have you put in any construction work? Like myself. Child. (laughs) What are we we doing here? (laughs) No. Uh, I painted a wall at least. (laughs) No. No. And then my mentor, he actually laughs at me because sometimes he kind of encourages that. And I be like, yeah. look, I start doing my nails. Like, who's going to do that? <laughs> and then I start acting like a real the whole diva moment. Oh, I'd be so helpless. Like, oh, I'm helpless now. <laughs> um, but no, like, I guess those would be it. Oh, just, I purchased three properties in one day. Okay. That was January 3rd or 2nd of 2022. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying, coming out of 2021, I was gearing up for the shift in the market. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, let me uh, capitalize on these interest rates because I feel like they're about to go up, which they did. Mm-hmm. Let me get three properties and let me, because I was planning on moving out of one eventually and selling it for my, my restaurant. So I, I just kind of got prepared. Okay. I just got prepared. So purchasing three properties in one day, finish, letting my son see me finish my first flip mm-hmm. and be a part of that. And then being a top producer several times out of, out of my company. Okay. Coldwell, Coldwell, right? Banker. Mm-hmm. Well, what, whichever one is called. They've been Coldwell. in existence since I want to say early 1900s. Yeah, yeah, they have. They've been around a very, very. I want to say 1906. Time. I think it was giving me Alpha's year. That sounds about right. I believe so. Yeah. So, looking to the future, what are your goals and aspirations for your business? So I, like I said, I'm opening up a restaurant. I want to continue to do real estate on a more massive level, more commercial real estate. I want to own more commercial real estate. I want to own several restaurants. And that's pretty much all I I feel and wake up to every day. Like, I just feel like God keeps smacking me in my forehead with it. Like, this is what I have for you and this is what you need to work on today, every day, going forward. So my restaurants and ownership of more properties, primarily commercial, so I can help other entrepreneurs when it comes to them operating in a brick and mortar. Okay. Um, We need to see more of us owning brick and mortar so that way 
we can be the landlords to these businesses as opposed to always the other way. Do you feel like more commercial property is a good step right now? Because right a lot now, of people are not saying right now. Okay. Just overall, when you said what's mm -hmm. my trajectory and my vision, right now, no, because a lot of places are not requiring that. But like coffee shops, you know, yeah, coffee you shops still need yeah, stuff still need like that type of stuff. But like office spaces, it's kind of like out right now. Yeah, so as the society is shifting now, so mm -hmm. once we kind of get shift through back. this, yeah. I wouldn't even say shift back, shift okay. to whatever is new. Whatever yeah, because I don't think we're going to completely shift back to the way it was before. Mm -hmm. could change a lot of things yeah. for forever. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more co-work spaces mm -hmm. and stuff like that because people don't really need an office mm -hmm. room seven days a week or anything like that. Like, My mentor is actually, he has a sweet space, mm -hmm. so sweet, so he cut them up into co-working type of things and people can rent them out. And use them how they see fit for their business, but it's more cost efficient to the entrepreneur, mm -hmm. but also still uh, gives the owner their rents. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, because there's even around the corner from here, there's a space where they have like four different restaurants in there, mm -hmm. and it's just one big old kitchen area, and you can go in there. You can't eat. We call in those there. ghost kitchens. Do you yeah. want to call it ghost kitchens? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what they're called ghost kitchens and so they have like four or five of them in there mm. and you just go in there to pick up your food you can't really sit down and eat though but but it's still helping the business exactly it's that still business helping the business they got an industrial kitchen to use mm -hmm. and workspace Clean. and place to store all their stuff without trying to stuff it all in their house mm -hmm. because a lot of people do end up starting their business out of their house which is commendable i don't want to eat at your house i'm sorry at the end of the day yeah exactly most people don't want food that just came from your house i don't and a lot of ghost kitchens you're not sure where it's coming mm -hmm. from honestly because some of the ghost kitchens are actually coming from other restaurants. Mm -hmm. Like for a little while, Boston Market had another restaurant on Grubhub and all that stuff, but it was Boston Market food. But you know why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of a lot of businesses hit that plateau, mm -hmm. whereas like financially they need to figure out another way to be innovative, and oh, yeah. sometimes that's the way to be innovative. Oh, I already know that's why Boston Market did it because they're closed now. Oh, so the one that we, <laughs> I just saw one in um, Chicago, maybe in the last three months, oh. and then I just passed by the other day and it was closed. I said, I'm going to have a job open. Yeah, they're closing. They're slowly closing. So the one that I used to work in Southern Virginia, there was only four in there, Chesapeake, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, and Hampton. Mm -hmm. So the one in Hampton was the one I worked at, highest revenue cost of market in the area. Mm -hmm. They closed all the other ones slowly but surely across the water. And this was after I had left. So basically, I jumped ship just in time. Good. <laughs> Literally. Because, like, this all started happening a year after I left. Because I left in 2022. So by the end of 2022, two stores are closed. Then by the end of last year, all of them are now closed. Period. <laughs> in Southern Virginia, you will not find a Boston market. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and... The funniest part is right at the beginning of COVID, a new owner had caught them. They were originally owned by Sun Capital and then some new owner from Jersey had bought them out and was trying to remodel and do all kinds of stuff. But obviously that late. didn't work out. Yeah, it was it's too already late. too late because they were already going downhill anyways. Mm -hmm. Back when Sun Capital bought them, I think in 2016, I want to say, or before that, they were already kind of going downhill. So it was no saving yeah businesses have to stay forward thinking and they have to because pasta market was always a staple mm -hmm. it was always they a were. staple but they but did not, Thanksgiving food. they didn't 
grow or evolve. So when you don't grow and evolve, you get left behind and you get eventually closed down. So because yeah. even the rotisserie ovens that they use, it was a proprietary thing. The ones that they used, you can't buy the parts and stuff for that anymore. Ah. So you can no longer like fix it. Without it being either costly yeah. or not fixable. Yeah, because the one I worked at for six years, we're supposed to have, there's three ovens. We're supposed to have all three of them working. The whole time I was working there, at most, we might have two of them working. Mm. When I left, it's only like one working. Wow. Because like, they barely, yeah. like, we had stowed away parts and stuff that we would use, but. And as a forward thinker, you would say, like, okay, we need to figure out a new way to yeah. make the chicken. Yeah, or, or just like, yeah, just some type of new avenue. But the rotisserie was always their signature thing. So that's probably why they just went ahead and just said, we're going to just shut it down. Yeah. Yep. So it happens in business. Yeah. And that is part of the process. Mm -hmm. Even an old staple like Boston Market can shut down. Yep. If you don't stay with it. If you don't the, evolve. Yeah, like they didn't have a lot of vegan or vegetarian options. They mm -hmm. don't have, they didn't. There's a lot of stores like if you don't expand that menu to fit more people, even if it's just one option on the menu, mm -hmm. that's all they need. Like I feel like McDonald's, the only reason McDonald's will stay around because they appeal to kids. There's always kids. Mm -hmm. But if McDonald's were like a higher end restaurant, they wouldn't be around mm -hmm. because they've taken so many healthy options off of their menu. I don't see salads on their menu I anymore. Been there so long they used to have kids. oatmeal. I don't see oatmeal on their menu really? anymore. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff because I used to work here. I used to work a long, 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 yeah. long, long ago. When I was working there is when they first introduced the Angus burgers they had. Okay. It was before my son was born. So 2009, 2010-ish? It was 2010, I yeah. I think I was working there around 2008. Yeah, I was working there in 2010. That's when they came out with the Angus burger and the Frappuccinos. And then I worked at Burger King, <laughs> and I think... Still to this day, I still from the, those experiences. I think Burger King. I don't go back to there one of them if I can I, help if it. If I have to eat at one of them, it would be Burger King. Yeah, if I have to eat, yeah, it would be Burger King. I just you throw like Wendy's they took in the better... mix. It'll be Wendy's. If you throw oh, yeah. Chick Fil A in the mix. I'm gonna go to Chick Fil A instead. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but and I especially love Chick Fil A. Then you get to see. Dan, Dan so Kathy when you were talking Steve. about the shutdown, that's actually who I was thinking about because I remember it was so profound when he said he passing the baton to his son before the baton drops. And he said a lot of times within businesses, you can tell when a baton drops before it's passed on properly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's crazy. As a consumer, you can actually tell. Yeah, you can when the up the the higher ups are tired exhausted or there's some type of conflict mm -hmm. you can feel it when you're just purchasing mm -hmm. so i thought that was pretty profound and i was thinking that when you were talking about boston market i was just like it's, that sounds like what happened yeah in a way Tom definitely got dropped because when it comes to family businesses you have to make sure that whoever you put in positions are actually trained for that. Don't put them in that spot just because they're family. Even he said that. Mm -hmm. I don't put people, they were like, oh, do you employ all of your family? All of family gets shares of the company, mm -hmm. but not everybody works with the company. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can work with the company. His son got, a, he handed the baton to his son because his son was already in training basically under him and learning the position. Mm -hmm. He was like, he gave him, he went ahead and passed the baton to him because of the way he handled COVID. Yep. COVID hit. He was like, oh, he ready. Mm -hmm. You can tell when somebody's actually ready to do the job instead of just trying to look out for them. Yep. Don't screw yourself mm -hmm. by just trying to look out for people. 
because just trying to look out gets both of you fucked over. Yeah, that's, that's the true. only word I could use for that. Yeah, that's it true. will literally get both of you fucked over because eventually you're gonna have to fire them mm-hmm. and they're gonna be pissed at you for firing them because you hired them knowing that they couldn't do the job. Mm-hmm. When it'd be easier to just not hire them, and you mad because I didn't hire you. Mm-hmm. Now you made it a whole situation. Well, it was okay for me to work the job at first. Like, no, it's mm-hmm. not. You can't do the job, so I'm not going to employ you. Mm-hmm. Period. My stepmother keeps talking about a restaurant. She want to open a restaurant. She know I'm I want to open a restaurant. Her. She's not good at like she wouldn't work in the restaurant. Okay. Basically, if I open a restaurant <laughs> and I want to name it after her, sure. But <laughs> she's not going to work in the restaurant. Her, the way she cooks and stuff, like, I wouldn't work, I wouldn't put you in nobody's restaurant. I'll eat your food, but I wouldn't put you in nobody's restaurant. You right. can't work in a restaurant the way you cook. <laughs> you cannot. As a matter of fact, that's why she's like, hey, we just got to be real. We got to have a Cat William moment. We, we do. We real. really do. Like, because she used to work at Denny's with my dad. That's how she met my dad. Okay. And she got fired because she would eat off the bar. Like, you eating off the no, bar. No, she don't. Yeah, she is. She would eat off the bar. Like, <laughs> like because <laughs> you know Denny's be having that buffet she would eat off the bar oh, that's a big like, no no dude don't like if you're gonna eat on the clock at least had yeah don't eat off the bar where everybody else everybody has to touch it like oh it's okay I didn't touch nothing else but like no mm-hmm. that's why I don't eat at buffets for real no more because I used to oh. work at Golden Corral too oh. like most of the people are clean, but you can't say everybody's clean and then furthermore you got all these customers walking that's past walking around and stuff like the workers could be awesome, but yeah. all these people? Mm-mm. No, sir. <laughs> all right. So, how do you give back to your community, and why is this important to you? I'm so glad you asked that question. I actually made a reel about this, but I haven't posted it yet. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to open my restaurant. Right. Right. I've mentioned that several times. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. However, I'm still working on it. We. I had to pivot a little bit. I had to make the shifts and what have you. But God said, still feed his people, right? And I've been feeding homeless people every chance I get on my own time, personally. If I have some food left over or I might just go purchase something and I I go stop where I know that that they are. We have too many places in Chicago where they typically gather and they stay. Yeah, just like out here. You've probably seen plenty of them. Yeah. Last time I was here, I did. Since I've been here since yesterday, I haven't. But yes, I do remember. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, I've been volunteering at New Life Covenant Southeast, Pastor Hannah's church. They have a food pantry, and I volunteer there on Thursdays. And it's just so nice to see the community come out and appreciate the food. Though the food isn't not for me, it's from the food depository, but to be a part of that. It is just as fulfilling as me having a restaurant, to be honest with you. And it has been filling that space that, oh my God. Cause you know, as entrepreneurs, we have those moments like, oh, I'm a failure, my restaurant not open yet. And I had those moments because I, I thought it was gonna be open way last year. And in the interim, this has kept me sane. It has kept me, um, knowing that I'm still feeding God's people because ultimately that's the goal is to feed God's people not just with food, but with love. I don't yes. think that we have enough love in the world. And I do think that that's the way that you can spread love is through food. Yeah. So I've been doing that. And of course, I'm a, a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Yeah, I know you're AKA. It's almost, and what, did your founders day already pass? 
Yeah, so it was yeah. last week, and I probably got sick from that because I told you yesterday. I was, <laughs> was it yesterday? The day before yesterday. I basically uh-huh. have flu-like symptoms. I'll be honest with you. I had uh-huh. chills, shakes, cold, cough. I, I was like, I don't know, I'm gonna make it to DC. I didn't want to tell you that bad news yeah. because I'm like, okay. I don't want to cancel again. So not, not um, yet. Yeah. <laughs> I gave myself all type of garlic. I said what? But I said that to say I probably got sick scrolling. <laughs> but anywho, but through my um, through my authority, we also do a lot of fundraising for scholarships and what have you. Any service serves all mankind, so mm-hmm. that's pretty much how I give back. Okay, that's what's up. My mom's a Delta, so okay. Yeah, their their founders week was last week too. I think. Yeah, because a lot of the Deltas came through the store to grab some stuff. I think you told me that. Yeah. I think you did tell me that. Oh yeah, I did tell you before that my mom's a Delta. Yeah. Okay. And I have I wanted to be AK. Okay. But I never you went saw to a light. traditional um, college. You, you see the light. Yeah, I do. I Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I actually was talking to a couple of different people about sponsoring me in because as long as I have a degree or something, mm-hmm. they said I can get in, and I do. I have my associates and my bachelor's. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm really into it because it's a good networking thing. A lot of people don't understand that joining fraternities and sororities, it's not about partying. It's about networking and building a community it amongst your you people. For a lot. Yeah. Then you build that community amongst your people. That way, when you actually need something or you need a hand or you need to help somebody else you have those people you can reach out to because mm-hmm. it cre- creates this whole separate network of sisters sisterhood and brothers for the fraternity brotherhood mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely something like me as a single uh well single mother and i was the only child for a long time my little brother didn't come along until i was 15 and then by then i moved to my grandma's house so i've been by myself you've been on my family yeah so I really like being able to network now because I was a, a big introvert to where I was not, I didn't really like talking to people. I would want to talk to people, but not at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so It's a strange place to be in because I, I found a word for that and they said Jesus was like that too. Mm-hmm. Whatever the word is, I think I have, but it was an introvert mixed with an extrovert. Someone who would prefer to be alone, but they are good with they're good at talking to crowds of people, and I yeah. am like that. Yeah. I love people, but I also don't. <laughs> so they said that Jesus' personality was very much so similar. Like, he prefers to be alone, but when a crowd come around, he gather around, let's talk. I believe that, and that's also why a lot of people don't realize in the Bible, he didn't start his journey as the Jesus that everybody knows and exalts until he was 33 mm-hmm. he was fighting it they told him who he was and who what he's supposed to be doing and all that stuff ahead of time he didn't want to do that <laughs> i don't blame him. the same way we heard that blah 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 when people I were telling us what him. we wanted to do they told him what he was destined to do and he was no if you hear the real stories he didn't want to do that he was just like all anybody else he's a human he but did not want to call, do all that. You have to do the calling, call. exactly. That calling finally was like, "Come on now." I get smacked in my forehead every day with my calling. You and me both. <laughs> and sometimes it's like an argument with your parents. I'm like, "Okay, I hear you. All right, I'm doing like, it. I'm I know, going." But okay, I don't want okay. to. I had kind of had that moment this morning. My alarm went off. I don't want to. I'm gonna wait because I had some stuff I had to do before, like meeting up with you and stuff too. So I've been up since seven. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to. I'm just gonna go to the interview. Man, and I was like, nah. Right, let me go ahead and do all of it because all of it is necessary. And and it's always a lesson with everything too. So like I said, God has been telling me to still feed His people. 
but he's also showing me what it would be like if I don't do my calling. He made me feel it, and I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want this. Me too. I don't want a life without my calling. Give it back. And so as I said, give it back, some things have been coming into play. Because it was a long, I would say maybe about six months of nothingness, of feeling some type of void. And yeah, when you're said, not doing what you're supposed to, yeah. He said, this is what it would feel like. Do you want this? And I said, nope. Yeah. Nope, I'm waiting on you. And there's a lot of people who are depressed, and that's why. And oh. they don't even realize it. They just go run to the doctor and go get some medicine. You're depressed because you haven't found your purpose. You're not even looking for it. Yeah. My potential business partner in Atlanta, mm-hmm. who I was going to open up a restaurant with. So I was going to open in Chicago first mm-hmm. because that's home. And I know the market, no matter how many changes, I know the market. I just want to start there. Mm-hmm. And I want to do something in Atlanta and I want to do something in maybe Houston or Dallas. And my partner in Atlanta in April last year committed suicide. Oh, wow. And no one really knows why yeah. but sometimes i i think what you just said i'm like i think he just couldn't wait i think he didn't feel like he had purpose you yeah. know and to have plans with someone who dies is that was something i had to deal with as well yeah but this is my word to those who this is my, my advice to those who are Feeling like they don't have purpose or feeling like they're not on their journey to their calling. Just sit still and and ask for peace and clarity mm-hmm. and ask for God to guide you. Mm-hmm. And it will it'll come. Yeah. It'll come. Yep. And just make sure you're doing research on yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by research on yourself is pay attention to what made you happy mm-hmm. when you were younger. What not even as a grown up. What made you happy when you were younger? Mm-hmm. Before the drugs and alcohol. Yep. Before the relationships and the responsibilities. And the responsibilities. What made you happy? When I when I sat down and did that in silence to myself, it was writing. This period, I would write all the time. I write poetry. I I like writing. And then even in elementary school, in fifth and sixth grade, we had a, a news show. It was fifth grade. We had a news show. And I was part of that crew. It was five of us and we would rotate jobs. So either you're doing the video editing or you're one of the casters Mm -hmm. or you're the person doing the script or whatever. We would rotate jobs. So that's stuff that I loved doing. And when I realized and sat back and, you know, coaxed myself, like, that's what you need to get into. Mm. How can you get into that? Mm. Podcast. Mm. I'm writing a book also. Yeah. So my book is a narrative that's going to teach people about financial literacy. Yes. And it's going to be an awesome book. So, yes, I'm excited yeah. for you. Yeah. So I, that's what's, what's been. The timeline? That's what kept smacking me in the head these past mm-hmm. couple months because I was supposed to finish it by Christmas, I said I was. Mm-hmm. And then I said I was going to finish it by my birthday. But my birthday's in two weeks. Now, given I can technically finish it by my birthday, but I also don't want to rush it. Yeah. So. I am gonna fit it back into my schedule like I was, I was supposed to a long time ago because I, that's my message that I need to put out to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not specifically my story, but it is loosely based off of my story, meaning that nothing in there is something that is probably not something that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that in advance because somebody might read it and be like, I do remember this, 
Don't tell nobody that. Anyways, <laughs> don't tell nobody that. But that's definitely what I went through. And that's how I figured out what my purpose is and, yes. and put into myself the willingness to move forward to it. Mm-hmm. So even where I'm working at now, that whole establishment and everything that I could see for it as far as me organizing the inventory and all that stuff. Oh, if you need help, once you open your restaurant, let me know. I can help you create a, the menu and your inventory systems and all that stuff. I would love to help you do that. But just seeing when I went there and I saw it and I met the owner before and all of that, I was like, this is where I need to be to be able to help get me to where I want to be. Because a lot of music musicians and stuff come through there. Benny the Butcher, rappers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. AB, like, musicians managers and stuff they come through there so actually that's a good spot for me to also find more interviews and stuff like and network yeah so there's this other guy who owns a restaurant in richmond i'm gonna interview him too because he came last week to come see the owner so that's but my story sorry to get to the point of my story you know we just saw uh i know right excited that we just yeah, I was excited. And so many moving pieces, so it it, I actually have a hard time when I am doing podcasts to kind of like make sure I'm solidifying. Yeah, so staying on topic, the reason I brought that up, yeah, for me to stay on topic, right, is facing your passion and finding your passion. The reason I'm going to go back to where we said being patient for your passion and yeah. stuff like that, too. Being patient is, for your passion. I was supposed to be hired for that job. I talked to one of the owner's like helpers or whatever and I interviewed with her and all that stuff and well co-owners because she said she owns it with them so I sat down interviewed with her I was supposed to start like three months before I actually started Mm. but I had already when I talked to her she said oh we'll start you this weekend so I went ahead and gave notice to my job Mm -hmm. and I had stopped my job I wasn't working a job or nothing but instead of me running back to my job I found different avenues of Mm -hmm. ways to make me some money so that my schedule would still be open for that whenever they're ready Mm -hmm. and it it worked out perfect timing I found I I did the rest of my IT certifications I got paid for those and they paid for my tests that money helped me pay my rent and make sure food in the house then they I did that's what the classes, and then I did an internship that was paid also. Carried me through. By the time my internship was over, I was starting there. Mm-hmm. So, because I had faith in what I needed to do, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, that, it go. just takes patience. And that took like three months. Mm-hmm. It was three months I was waiting. Anybody else would have been like, oh, I just need to find any job. Especially since I was taking IT classes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I have my IT fundamentals, my security plus, and my network plus. (laughs) Yeah, but those all help me. They feed into my data analytics because ultimately I'll probably be the CIO of that business, Mm -hmm. the chief information officer, to help keep all the information organized Mm -hmm. and secure. Come on, Um, yeah. So it all feeds into each other. It always does. So so I'll ask you this. Uh How do you, because you seem like a woman who has a lot of skill sets, Mm -hmm. a lot of background, and like you said, it all ties in together. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for me. It all ties in together. So I know it works really well, like a well or a machine. Mm -hmm. But outside looking in, how do you deal with the people who be like, oh, she's all over the place? (laughs) <laughs> I was all over the place for a little while. Thank um, you for people don't use Yeah, I was all over the place because I wasn't sure exactly what I was I'm doing a podcast and I I'll just get into IT. I took the IT certification because I said I was gonna get into IT for a job. But like I said, my actual goal was to be 
over there. So when I put IT on the back burner and just was learning it as a skill set, that's what helped me clear up. And actually, I hit my clarity when I finished Security Plus. There wasn't another class coming up. And I was like, well, when there's another class, let me know because I still haven't started work and, you know, I need that extra mm-hmm. money. So when there was a class, it was Certified Ethical Hacking or getting my Google professional cert in data analytics. Mm -hmm. That one stood out more than the professional hacking. Mm -hmm. So that's what gave me the clarity of, yes, I need to focus on information, on analytics, because those are all skills I need for my hedge fund, my venture capital fund, Mm -hmm. and for work. Plus the stuff that I already have experience in, because I was lucky enough to start in food service when management still actually had to physically look at the profit and loss statements and Mm -hmm. the budgets and stuff like that. Because nowadays they have stuff so computerized that they don't even tell you. Yeah, that if you're a manager at a restaurant, you don't have to look at any of that stuff nowadays. They got told. That's why they yeah they do it on purpose, because it justifies how much they pay you. Mm -hmm. Now that you don't have to do as much. We don't have to pay you as more than what you were already getting. Mm-hmm. And that was their whole premise in that. And I saw the transition. Oh, yeah. So I was lucky enough. Like I said, I started food service back when you had to actually go to the bank to make a deposit. Because mm. <laughs> nowadays they come to you. Mm-hmm. Like, period. So I got to learn in advance. I've always been in learning mode ever since I started in food service, period. Mm-hmm. Because my whole point of working and working as many hours as possible was to learn from business operations. Mm. Ever since I was like literally my first job, that was my goal was, okay, let me work somewhere where I can learn about the business operations, mm-hmm. period. So that helps me now. Like mm-hmm. I can look at sales reports and proper loss statements and guest satisfaction and reports together. because I've been looking at it since I was 16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm 36. I have plenty of experience in it mm-hmm. and I'm just getting the certifications to go with it. Mm-hmm. That's all. <laughs> all comes together. Yes, ma'am. It all comes together. So I love it. I love being a business consultant. Like, if I get more customers, that'd be awesome. Um, when you get more customers? Well, not if. Yeah, when. <laughs> when I get more customers, it's going to be awesome. But like I said, this was my first step is helping with this large business because I can attest to all of it. And everybody will come through. Like, like I said, his co-owner, like once I actually started working, she came in the other day and was like, Oh, I just wanted to let you know you're doing such a great job. And I'm sure. I was like, yeah. <laughs> they called me the other day to, to make sure I knew I was doing a good job. Like, literally, I just called you just to make sure you know, you know, I'm letting you know, like, you're doing an awesome job mm-hmm. and I appreciate you. Thank you. So, like I said, it's that family aspect because somebody else might have got that call and said, oh, you don't have to say that. But, yeah, in the back of my mind, I might be thinking you don't have to say that, but all humans need that affirmation mm-hmm. of your work. Yeah. You might feel like, oh, you don't have to keep telling me that, da, da, da. but if they didn't tell you, then how would you feel? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You'd feel a whole nother way. Mm-hmm. So them saying it actually helps, and it helps boost my morale, and it helps me keep going mm-hmm. because I know I'm helping build something big. Exactly. Like I keep telling him, we're going to be bigger than cookies. Come on. That's the goal. Talk about it. Be bigger than cookies. Period. (laughs) And I'm going to help us get there. (laughs) So our next question, in what ways has your success in real estate allowed you to impact the lives of others? Um, Just again, 
inspiring. I know a lot of people would say I never thought to own a property until I saw you own. I never thought to have multiple streams of income. I never thought to have passive income. So mm -hmm. just being an example of that, a lot of people I know has uh, testified to me being that example for them and them wanting to own or them purchasing their first home. And that means a lot to me because that changed the trajectory. Yes. And I just also let them know, don't just buy one, buy more than one so you can leverage mm -hmm. when you want, when it's time to leverage. You don't want to have to say, oh, my house is worth three times what I purchased it for, but I have to uproot my family to move to, to get, to get benefit. the money. Yeah. Have another house. So I, I always encourage my clients don't stop at this first investment. I'm going to get you over the finish line. But once we get to the finish line, we have a strategy and plan to get you your second and your third. Mm -hmm. You have to get your second and your third property so that yeah. way you can actually see what wealth is so you can get passive income through rent. So you can get uh, your equity when your property is worth two to three, four times more than what you paid for. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of people don't know all of that stuff and like you said you get them past that first finish line but you got a couple more laps to do sir <laughs> so. we got so used to big mama just owning one house for 30 40 50 years yeah never putting any work into it and then only you got eight kids and can only only got one house to pass yeah. down so now you got and then eight once kids, you pass away everybody want to sell it and then when and they sell it you got to split that money too on a house that, fight that, that everybody let get run down because y'all could have been helping her, even though it is one house, y'all could have been helping Probably her. Probably know, but just fix to get five thousand dollars each, maybe ten. Yeah, that's literally happening with my family right now. It happens to a lot my of our families, own. and we don't talk about it enough. Yeah, and enough is enough, and we're gonna say that's the end. Yeah, we're not doing this no more. So my grandma, my dad's mom, she got a reverse mortgage on the house. Hmm. I told her not to. Literally, my uncles and grandfather built that house. It's family home. She got a reverse mortgage though. So now I gotta figure out how I'm gonna get the money whenever the time comes for God to call her. So then my other grandma's house, she passed away. So her portion, she has like several siblings. Mm -hmm. So it got split between the siblings and her. But when she passed away, her portion got transferred over to my mom and her siblings. So the other siblings from my grandma, they wanna sell the house now. What? My aunt Bo is staying there though. Mm -hmm. And for that house, our family built that as well. My great grandfather built that house, mm -hmm. and it's one at least that looks. I think it's an acre. It was two acres, but my great grandfather had a house built on a on the other side of the lawn for my uncle when he got married. We're gonna we're gonna have to because so, I I got stories today, so I hope we yeah. can do a segment. Yeah, for we can. specifically family generational wealth or lack of. We can. We can do a live on that if you want to yes. um, schedule. Yeah, yes. we can do a yes. live like how the generations are getting Ooh, jacked up. That's yes. a good one. It's definitely, that's how exactly how it's getting jacked up. And the worst part is these are young people that are trying to sell it knowing that this is a generational house. These are older people. Mm -hmm. These are older than my mom because it's her mom's mm -hmm. mom's, like her, not her, her mom's siblings. Mm -hmm. I got so, stories for days. Like, I got stories for days. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And the funniest part is they'll probably keep theirs for their mm -hmm. children and stuff. Yeah. But so the next question I have for you, for young adults and those just starting in their careers, what key pieces of advice would you offer for achieving success in real estate? Just because you're 18 
does not mean you cannot own a house. That first two two income taxes that you file off of a W-2 and you're in the same industry, I would say go buy something. Yeah. I don't care what it is. An asset. Go buy Not something. just a car or a pair of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> go buy a, some property. If you've been on your job after age 18, you've been on your job for two years, just go figure out, go to a loan officer to see how much you can afford to purchase and purchase. Whatever that looks like. If it's a condo, a whatever. trailer, whatever. Anything. Go It'll make you something. some money. Because yep. trailers are pretty cheap too. You can literally buy a whole trailer for really cheap. Mm -hmm. And then the person that you rent it out to just has to pay for the land fee and all that stuff. You probably won't even have to pay for it depending mm -hmm. on how you go about it. <laughs> and also, I also just tell young people in general too, if you're going to college, to either minor in business or major in business and then make the minor the business. So if it's psychology, that way you can turn your psychology practice into a business or veterinarian, veterinarian, you can turn it into a business. Just always have business accompany what it is that you're interested in. So that way you won't just come out of college being a worker. You can come out of college doing what you like, doing what you love, doing what you have a specialty in, but also turn it into a business. Yep. And then there's also business resources that are for free too. Mm -hmm. So some people's banks, like my bank, the Bank of America, where I have my business account, they offer, it's a, called Operation Hope. That'll help coach you in your business. And that's free for those who may not want to go to college or aren't in college. There's free resources. You can go down to your local chamber of commerce. They'll let you know about free resources. There's so many options yeah. and people always, the first thing out their mouth is their pockets, mm -hmm. but there's so many free resources. Like I just gave a whole bunch of free resources. Well, I didn't give you the information for them, but I know a whole bunch of free resources that I've been using personally over the past few years. And it's really helped me grow. And the freest one of all is your time. Yep. So find somebody like, like you said, find somebody doing what you want to do and offer them your time. Yep. I'm sure they need help with something mm -hmm. and they can't afford to hire somebody. So just offer them your time in exchange for their advice. Yeah, that's all. It makes it super easy. Mm -hmm. Yep. So my next question before we end it with my final question, let's talk about your books. Well, last we met, I believe you have my a journal. Yes. I believe you have my affirmation for a, a millennial entrepreneurs. I think so. Okay, so since then I've rebranded. So I have the same journal for that one, mm -hmm. but it's rebranded with my new colors or what have you. And this one was the Luxury Mindset to Access Affirmation Journal. Mm -hmm. And this one is primarily focused on real estate entrepreneurship and day trading. Okay. Because those are the things that I love so much, right? Mm -hmm. And each page is designated to one of the three. So I am a successful homeowner mm -hmm. or I trade successfully in the market or something like that. Because I think all three of them go together. They do. So I also tell people, I'm always for entrepreneurship. I'm always for real estate, but I'm also encouraging people to learn about the stock market in whatever capacity that it is to still have some type of have your money working for you some type of way. So even if you're on your job and they have some type of option for you to get into stocks, they'll, they'll put, yeah. put in if you have to do a 401k through your job, go ahead and do but it. know what they're yeah. know what they're putting your money in, though. At least yeah. have that bit of knowledge to say, like, OK, I know that I have money wrapped up in this or what have you. 
So this is my beautiful luxury mindset. It is. Access. Very Affirmation journal. Yes, ma'am. It is available on Amazon. Okay. So you definitely can find this on Amazon. And I love mine. I will start using it today. You're welcome. And thank yes, you Yes, ma'am. Okay. So this is my final question, uh-huh. right? Final question. What advice would you give someone facing challenges that are embarking on their wealth building journey? Oh, facing challenges that are embarking. So challenges that get there on their journey mm-hmm. and they got challenges. Yeah, because um, we did. We touched on a few you're gonna of have them. Challenges. You're going to yeah. have challenges. You have to, first of all, know that you're being challenged mm-hmm. and know that once the challenge is over, you're just on to the next. So just get over that challenge, get over that hump, and keep moving and keep going. One of my my restaurant mentor, Javarius Gay in Atlanta, a lot of times I hear him say every level is a new devil. Mm-hmm. So just get over the it next is. one and move to the next level. It is, because as much as people try to say, oh, money, money solves problems, it does, but it causes them to. So you just have to be aware that you might be facing some problems now, They'll just change as you move on in your journey. Like, don't think you're just going to avoid them when you start being successful. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like Biggie said, more money, more problems. Yeah. So you just have to be prepared for the new problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every level got a new devil. Yes, so. ma'am. Well, thank you for your time. I'm thank glad you we finally so made it. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right.